So we are starting a new series. Today we are going to be uh, studying the Gospel of Luke. And this series is going to take us throughout the summer. We know that it's summer months and we know that, again, people are gone everywhere and, and off. But we hope that when you are in town, you'll be here. And so I know, again, today, right, all of your summer activities have been canceled because it's raining. So it's glad, glad you're here. And, you know, and so now you can stay for journey class because you, all your, your plans are canceled, right? Um, but at, throughout the summer, we know that people are out, you know, traveling and vacations and different things. And so you know where we're going to be through the summer. So I encourage you, right, to stay connected even if you're not here um, and to, to read it on your own and just read through the Gospel of Luke. We're going to cover the entire Gospel throughout the summer. We're going to go two chapters a week, okay? So now we're not going to cover all of the two chapters every Sunday, which means you need to do the supplemental reading yourself, okay? And so even if you're gone, right, you can continue to read and, and stay caught up with the Gospels. We work through it. If you are here, I encourage you to read ahead, right, and read and follow up afterwards and, and to read the scriptures yourself and, again, dive into uh, to, to your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, tell us and we'll give you one. Okay, um, but we want you to follow along with us as we study the life of Jesus. And, and that's literally what the gospel is. Okay, when we look at the gospel, again, the first four books of the New Testament in our Bibles are all gospels. We have four different versions right, of the gospel. And when we look at that word gospel, and when it's literally translated, it means good news. Okay, and that's truly what the life of Jesus is. It is incredibly good news. And yet, when we look at, again, that, that translation of the word gospel, and we find the good news of Jesus, but gospel is also a literary form. And meaning, as we know, we have different literary forms, right? We have poems, we have historical writing, we have, uh, you know, all, all these, these different ways of writing, right? And, and types of writing. And gospel is itself its own literary form. And in that is that the literary form of gospel is literally the story of Jesus' life. And that's why we have, again, the four Gospels, right? There's been lots of stories of Jesus' life written, but these are the four that we have in Scripture. And all four of them are written from different perspectives, from different um, viewpoints, right, of Jesus' life. In fact, two of the four Gospel writers were actual disciples, right, that walked with Jesus, lived with him for those three years, saw it firsthand, and two of them were not disciples. Um, Luke is one of them that was not a disciple. He, he was, though, a, a uh, around um, the, the community of Jesus, especially after his, his death, resurrection, and ascension. Okay? And, and we see, again, Luke tells, we learn a little bit about Luke throughout Scripture. Um, but, but Luke literally tells us in the intro to his gospel, in the first very few verses, he tells us why he decided to write a gospel. Okay? Luke's was one of the later ones that were written. Okay? There were already gospels kind of... Um, being passed around and circulated and being, you know, and the life of Jesus was, was being spread and talked about all the time, right, in this first century church and in that culture, because literally Jesus changed the course of history, right? And, and as you talk, though, there was, again, these different people decided to write down these accounts of Jesus' life. Um, and, and yet, when we look at, um, at the gospel of Luke, and, and we see why he wrote, and that's where we're going to look at um, at the, these, his opening verses, right, um, the intro into his gospel, Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me uh, to Luke chapter 1. If you're with us in person and don't have your own Bible, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats. You're welcome to use. You'll notice the page numbers included there and where you can find it in those Bibles. 
If you're with us online, we're glad to have you as well. Um, if you have your Bible, we can read along. If not, just listen as I read it. Um, but we're going to learn a little bit about Luke here um, in the intro to his gospel, verses 1 through 4, where it says, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Now, as we read this intro, this is a very unique intro into the Gospels. In fact, if you look at the other three in our scriptures, they, is that, um, they all start in very unique ways. Okay, now, this is, a, is an interesting intro into the Gospel of Luke because the reality is it really doesn't tell us a lot. Okay, there's not a lot of information in the intro. We are still left with a lot of questions. Right? Like, who is Luke? Like, I mean, he doesn't even name himself. He doesn't even say, I am Luke and I'm writing this gospel, right? That's what a lot of the intros do. And yet he doesn't even do that. Um, and yet we, what we know about Luke, okay, is that he was a very close associate to the Apostle Paul. In fact, he's listed in, in several of Paul's letters as being a companion of him on his journeys. Okay, so we see Luke, we know about him. He's, he's mentioned in several, like I said, uh, of Paul's letters. Um, he's mentioned in Philemon, in Colossians, and 2 Timothy specifically. And so we know that he was around the community of Jesus. Okay, the other thing that we also know about Paul is that he was a trained physician. Okay, he was a doctor. And yet, if, as you talk with your doctor, they, they kind of process things a little differently than most people. In fact, they've been trained to do so. Right? They, they are supposed to look at a situation, and they, they naturally want to dive deeper into what's really happening. Right? And what's the cause of it? Right? I mean, that's, if they're a good physician, that's what they'll do. Right? And, and we see that come through in Luke's writing, in the way that he describes things, the way that, that he dives deep into some, what many would consider minute details, especially when it comes to Jesus' miracles. Because, again, that's what a doctor does, right? They try to explain what's going on, and there's so much about the life of Jesus, especially about his miracles, that just you can't, simply can't explain. And so, which is very intriguing, again, to coming to, from his perspective. The other unique thing about Luke is that he is the only non-Jewish gospel writer. He's a Gentile. And so because of that, as we know, that Jesus' life was tightly intertwined into the Jewish culture. Right? In fact, it, it, he was, Jesus was raised as, as in a Jewish family. I mean, they celebrated the different you know, festivals and, and um, ceremonies and did all those kinds of things. And so Luke explains them from a little different viewpoint, right? Because, again, a lot of gospel writers assume you know what those are about, and, and Luke doesn't. Right? And so he does give us a good perspective as we look at the, the gospel um, of Luke. As we look at that, though, what, and, and as, what I want to look at today at this intro, though, is, is we see, even in these opening chapters of the Gospel of Luke, of all kinds of different reactions to Jesus. In fact, we see the first one here in these very opening verses. In fact, Luke tells us his reaction to Jesus. Right? Again, he doesn't tell us a lot of traditional information in the intro, but he does tell us why he decided to write his Gospel. Right? And that's the most information he does give, right? He, he, I mean, he literally says in here, right, that there's lots of people talking about Jesus. 
right? There's lots of things circulating. There's, there's this everybody wants to know, right? And there's lots of these opinions and versions of all of it. And, and yet we see Luke's reaction to hearing about Jesus, right? To, to be interacting with the apostles and, and with the first century church. Again, Luke's reaction to Jesus was to research, examine, and then report, right? By writing a gospel. Again, he did what he knew to do, right? And that is, well, I hear about this, then I'll dive deeper, right? I'll dive, I'll research it, right? Is this really true, right? Could that have actually happened? Who is this person we call Jesus, right? Did he really die? Did he actually resurrect, right, and come back to life? I mean, did he ascend the way that the apostle said he did? Right? Is, is this true? Again, we, we see again, he, he researched, he examined, and then he gives us the report. Right? And he tells us why, again, ultimately his motivation for writing. Right? And his motivation was because he wants to ensure that what we are learning about Jesus is, in fact, true. That it is trustworthy. Because the reality is, if, if Jesus really is who he claims to be, if his life is as significant as it first seems, right? If miracles were actually miraculous, right? If the resurrection actually happened, if all of that is true, if it really is true, it literally changes the course of history and changes every life that knows about Jesus, right? That was the mission of the Messiah, after all, was to save everyone. And so we need to know it's true, because if it's not true, Right, then Jesus is just another religious fanatic who made a whole bunch of claims that he could not back up. And our world is not short on those, by the way, even today. Right, and so again, he says, oh, we need to know it's true. Like this Again, this is exactly what he says is, right, in verses 3 and 4. He says, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you've been taught. Are you certain about what you believe about Jesus? Are you certain that it's true? Right? That was Luke's goal. And that, again, his reaction to Jesus was, I will, I'll do the research for you. Right? Let me present the diagnosis right? so that you know without a doubt that it is true. And you can, you can not just believe it, but you can trust it. Right? Trust it to commit your life to it right? and surrender to everything that Jesus claims you would do because it's, it's that trustworthy. As we see Luke's reaction to it, as we go through these first chapters and these several different little stories that kind of interact with each other throughout these first few chapters of the gospel, is we see several different reactions to Jesus. Okay, we start out with Luke's reaction, and then um, the very first section of scripture, right? He dives into this in chapter one. The next story actually has nothing to do with Jesus at, at face value. Okay, verses five through 25 is where he talks about Zechariah, Elizabeth, and the, the birth of John the Baptist is foretold. And so we have this, this interaction there through these several first verses. And then after that, then is when we have this pretty famous passage that we always read at Christmas time, right? And that's when the angel appears to Mary. Okay? And verses 26 through 38 is, is where we are introduced to Mary and the baby Jesus is foretold. 
Okay, we have this interaction with Mary and the angel and kind of all of that. And I want to pick up then the, where we see the next, the, the next reaction to, to Jesus, and that is in verses 39 through 45. Okay, so this is actually after um, Zechariah and Elizabeth, like the, this miraculous uh, conception of, of John happens with them. And then, the, then this, uh, again, the Holy Spirit conception of Jesus happens with Mary. Okay, and then we pick up the story in Luke 1, verse 39, okay, where it says, A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth, and at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? And when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you have believed that the Lord would do what he said. Now, as we read this passage and this interaction between Mary and Elizabeth, but that's not the only interaction here in this passage, right? There's also, I mean, both babies, Hey, now, this is a significant passage, and I, before we look at the, the reaction, I just want to step aside for a moment and just, just create this little sidebar. Okay, this is a very significant passage of Scripture, especially in our culture today. Hey, because notice the timeline of this, right? The, 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 the angel appears to, to Mary, says, the Holy Spirit will conceive within you, you know, the Messiah, right? And then, then literally, the, the opening you know, words, right, in verse 39, a few days later. So literally, Mary has been pregnant for days. And yet, when she arrives, Jesus is there. It is the very key passage of Scripture that tells us when life begins. Days after Jesus is conceived, right, his presence is felt. Jesus is alive, right? And not only do we see just a few days into conception, right, that Jesus is alive and present, right, but we also see this pre-born John, right, who is six months in utero here. And notice he has a, a very distinct reaction to the presence of the Messiah. Okay, and John, again, this baby in Europe is very much alive. And we all know why that's significant in our world today. Okay, now we'll step back in here, these reactions to Jesus, right, as we see this. Okay, we see these reactions, and in fact, we see Elizabeth's reaction as well as preborn John's reaction to Jesus, and that was to jump for joy. Elizabeth and preborn John's reaction to Jesus was to jump for joy. Again, we see this. It says, um, literally, as, as, as Mary shows up, right, again, verse 41 says, the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this, this is very significant, right, for lots of reasons I've already mentioned. But then we also look at this as this is, uh, right, I mean, obviously even pre-Jesus' life, right? This is also, um, you know, pre-Pentecost, right, when the Holy Spirit's poured out on every believer. And so the fact that the Holy Spirit at this point of history, right, is poured out on specific people at specific times. And here we see the Holy Spirit poured out on Elizabeth in the presence of the Messiah, right? And she speaks this truth, right, that comes out. I mean, from, from, from the John's reaction in her womb, from her reaction, right, they both jump for joy. 
They, and, and again, they are just amazed and astounded, right, that they are in the presence of the Messiah. Right? And they're just overwhelmed with joy. And, and we, we see that, right, come through Elizabeth's greeting and, and explanation, right, towards Mary. And as we move on through the gospel, uh, in verses 57 through 80 of chapter 1, um, is, where, is where John the Baptist is born. Okay, and this is a great passage, again, of, of the fulfillment of God's promise, right, with Zechariah and with Elizabeth and, and all that. Again, we don't have time to go into that today. I encourage you, again, while you're reading the Gospel of Luke on your own, spend some time in, in this story. Okay, there's, there's a lot there to learn. But then I want to move on to Luke chapter 2. Okay, and now this is, again, a very famous passage. This is one that we read at Christmas time every year. Okay, in fact, there's only two of, the, of our four Gospels that give the Christmas story. Luke is one of them, gives, um, again, one that we use a lot. So this morning, though, as we read it, I, I want you to kind of set that aside. Because, again, this is one passage we typically only read in December. Okay, well, it's, again, we're going to read it today, right? It's not Christmas time. In fact, it's not even July, so it's not even Christmas in July, right? But, but I encourage you to listen to this, read along with it. But thinking, set all the Christmas traditions aside, right? And, and here we read um, and see this next reaction to Jesus here in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 1. It says, At the time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinus was governor of Syria. And all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David... He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels have returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel had told them. Now, as we read this interaction, this is obviously the birth of Jesus, right, with Mary and Joseph. And then we have, you know, enter the shepherds. And the shepherds, again, have this kind of miraculous thing is they're greeted by angels in the middle of the night, right? And then, and then they have this reaction to Jesus because they're told about Jesus, right? But then they, after the angels leave, then they, they decide, right, well, well, let's go and investigate ourselves, right? They have a similar reaction that Luke had. They say, hey, they, we've heard about this. Let's, let's go experience it. Let's see if it's really true. 
And so they go to Bethlehem. They, they find baby Jesus, right? And, and then we know their reaction to Jesus, right? And they find it. They find Mary and Joseph just exactly what the angels describe. And the shepherd's reaction to Jesus was one of praise and worship. Is worship of the Messiah, right? Praise that God included them. I mean, there, there's all, all of these things, right? We see this reaction of just of praise and worship, right? They, they were overwhelmed, right, with everything that they saw and realized and, and, and could feel the weight and the implications of what was happening in front of them. Right? Verse 20 tells us, The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. For it was just as the angel told them. They found what they, you know, experienced exactly what they were told, right? They found that it was true. And their reaction to Jesus at that point was praise and worship. Right? And, and we see again their reaction, right? And, and then how that, can imagine how much that changed their lives, right? Moving forward. Right? And that's exactly what praise and worship should do for us, right? Is it continues to mold and change our own hearts and lives and minds. And then we move on as we move on to the story, right? That Mary and Jesus then um, take Jesus, right? Then they, they take him to the temple to be dedicated. Okay? In, in Luke 2, 25 through 40, we see the next two reactions to Jesus. We're going to pick up the story here in verse 25. Where it says, At the time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And that day the Spirit led him to the temple. And so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. And Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple, and she was the daughter of Phinuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years, and then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God and fasting and prayer. And she came along with, just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God, and she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. And as we read this story again, this interaction with Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus and Simeon and, and Anna, and we, we see then two more very distinct reactions to Jesus. Okay, the, the first one is Simeon, right? Is, is he's there again. He, he's led by, by God to go into the temple. He, he sees the baby Jesus there. Um, and, and we see his reaction to Jesus was one of, to, of, he found fulfillment in life. Again, God had, had told him, right? Like, hey, you, you, this was a very religious, devout man, right? He, he, was, he was focused on God, and God had revealed this to him. He says, you will see the Messiah before your earthly life is over. 
right? And he, and he finds this fulfillment, right? He, as as the, the Christ child's there, and, and again, he knows this is, this is him, right? He's, he's exactly what he says, right, in, in his scripture. It says, when Simeon was there, right, he took the child in his arm, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you promised. I have seen your salvation, which you prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of your people Israel. He, his life was fulfilled at the sight of Jesus. Not only did he get to see Jesus, right, but he got to hold the baby, right? He got to, to pray over him and, and speak into the life of Mary and Joseph. I mean, this, this was the highest honor that this man had lived, longed for in his life. Right? And he found complete fulfillment in seeing the Christ child. Now, again, we can all identify with Simeon, right? Because we're all looking for that fulfillment in life, right? And just as we've just learned, we, right, there's all kinds of things we can chase after in this world to find and try to fill that void, right, to find that fulfillment. And, and we know, right, that all of those things, except for God, are completely, well, hebel. And yet Simeon finds fulfillment in his life, right, in his reaction to Jesus. And then we also, though, see Anna's reaction to Jesus, right? As she was there, and you see that, again, God led her, right, through the temple to, to see Jesus. And, and her reaction was similar to Simeon. She first praised God, right, about being in there. There's a similar reaction, but yet she, hers was a little bit different. Okay, Anna's reaction to Jesus was to share about the saving power of the Messiah. Again, Simeon found fulfillment, right, that, and he knew of that, but yet Anna... She took it a step farther, right? In, in that, in her reaction to Jesus was, was to share, to talk about, and, and, and tell everybody about the saving power of the Messiah, right? Verse 38 says that Anna came along, just as Simeon was walking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God, and she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem, Again, especially in that environment, in the temple, in that time. Do you know who, who, ever, who had been waiting for God to rescue Jerusalem? Everyone. Right? There was not a person around there that had not been waiting for that. And I noticed, who did she tell? Well, only, only the people that she was real close to. Right? Only the people that wouldn't argue back with her. Right? No, she told everyone. <laughs> she couldn't hold it in. Right? She had this, this urgency, right, of, of again, we see this, these similar reactions, right? She finds that fulfillment of life, the joy, the, the, all of those things, and yet they all kind of culminated and just came out of her, right? She couldn't hold it back. She shared with everyone the saving power of the Messiah, right? That it had finally come. And do we have that same urgency about the gospel? We should, we see all these, these different reactions, right, and how they're kind of building on each other and these, all these incredibly positive ones. And then we, we move into the next section in Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Okay, and this is, again, the conclusion of chapter 2, and, and this is also a very unique story. In fact, this is the only story we have in all of Scripture of Jesus' childhood. Okay, this is our only um, childhood story of Jesus. Um, Luke 2, 41 through 52, where it says, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. 
After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and at his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Now as we look at this childhood story of Jesus, if, if you're a parent, this is one of those moments when you sit back and kind of like, okay, even Mary and Joseph messed up. Right? Because if you're a parent, you've been in that place, right, where you've messed up. Right? And, and this is a place where, where you realize, like, wow, even Mary and Joseph kind of messed up. And I, don't know, and I don't know about you, but I can't imagine trying to parent Jesus. Right? And, and kind of, again, I read this story, and sometimes I wonder, I'm like, man, I, if I was a parent, right, and my teenager talked back to me like that, I'd be, I'd, I would want to flick his mouth, right? And yet, here we see, we see Mary's reaction, right? I mean, you sit back and think about it, and we see even this passage and others, right, that, that Mary was sitting back, and she wasn't quite sure about Jesus. It says that she, she cherished these things in her heart, right? We, we've seen this phrase a few times, I mean, in these stories, and, and we can tell, right, that obviously Mary knew, I mean, more than anybody knew, you know, Jesus is true identity, I mean, his, his mission in life, right? And yet, there were times that were confusing, right? There were times they weren't really sure what to think or what to do. There were times they're like, man, what, what do we do with this child? And, and we see that, again, here, Mary and Joseph's reaction to Jesus in this story, right, was a struggle to understand. There were things that even they didn't get, Right? There, there were times that Jesus talked back to them, right, or, or, or snuck away, right, and was missing for three days, right? And, and they're like, what do we do with this child? How do we interact here? And there, there was stuff that he said, right, that they just didn't get. I'm sure things that he did, right, that just kind of made them really question, God, are we really the people for this job? And I can imagine, right, that there was so much that they struggled with in parenting Jesus. And yet, how many times, right, do, do we come to, this, come to Jesus and, and, and think, like, God, I don't understand. Right? It just doesn't make sense. Can it all really be true? Is that really what you want me to do? Again, we see in verses 48 through 50, Jesus' parents didn't know what to think. We can all identify with that moment. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Our father have been frantic. We're searching for you everywhere. And, but why do you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. 
Have you ever been in that place where God has said something to you and you're like, God, I have no idea what that means? I have. Right? There's so many, again, that look at Jesus and, and they just say, but that doesn't make any sense. I, I don't understand. I'm more confused. And, and yet, there, we've all identified with that. In fact, we can look back at all these different reactions to Jesus. And we can all think about times where we've been there, right? And we've wondered, and we're like, Does it, I, I'm not really sure what, what that means. I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do with that. And other times, right, where it's just full of praise and worship and, and completely filled with joy. And, and yet there's, there is a lot about Jesus that, that we might not understand. There's, there's a lot about his miracles and his story and even his will for our own lives that, that we might struggle to, to get a clear picture of. And yet, there are certain things about Jesus that are 100% crystal clear. Again, as we see that, right? I mean, Simeon even said it, right? He said that the life of Jesus is going to cause a lot to, to stumble, right? It's going to reveal a lot of things. Right? And yet, we can, we can identify at that moment. And yet, the theme verse of Luke, as we look at the gospel in Luke 19.10, right, is the, the theme verse, the overall, the, the core message about Jesus that is crystal clear. And that is, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Right? And there's no confusion about that. And Luke, again, dives into the life of Jesus. He starts out with all these different reactions to Jesus, right? And, and he, he boils it down to this one very clear statement. Right? That the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. And again, whatever reaction you have to Jesus, we've all been in that category, haven't we? When I've been completely lost. I don't know what my next step is. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. And guess what? That's exactly where Jesus wants to enter your story. And as we, as we look at this and, and see all these different reactions, right, to, to, to Jesus, that we are just come to, to the, the obvious question, right, that we all must answer for ourselves. And that is, what is your reaction to Jesus? What is your reaction going to be? Because okay, we're presented with Jesus. I mean, he's here. Okay, he came. He lived that sinless life. He died on the cross. He rose again on the third day. and He's ascended to heaven. Right, that is all true. And his mission is clear, right? He came to seek and to save. He came to seek and to save you. And what's your reaction going to be? Again, we can look at this list, all these reactions, right? Maybe your reaction is to research, to examine, to dig deep, to say, I just, I need to know for sure. Right? Maybe it's like, John the Baptist and Elizabeth, maybe it's just jumping for joy, right? Maybe it's a reaction of praise and worship. Maybe it's you finally find fulfillment in life. Maybe it's, it's you, just, you have to share about it to everybody who will listen and even some that won't, right? I'm just going to share it to everybody. Maybe it's a struggle to understand. Again, we can look at this list and we, we all realize that probably for most of us, we've all reacted all of those ways to Jesus at different times in our lives. And yet this is a question that we must answer. 
What is my reaction to Jesus? And what's my reaction to Jesus today? Right, because this is not just a one-time answer. I mean, it starts with that, right? That's how, how you are, are saved, right, is, is to answer that question. Because notice the first part of Jesus' mission in Luke 19 is to seek. God is seeking you because God loves you more than you can imagine. Right? And especially if you are lost right, and never receiving your Savior or, and trying to do life on your own and do it the way the world tells you to do it, right? that, that you, especially who Jesus is seeking out, you. And he wants you to know he loves you and he died for you and he wants to save you and transform your life. That he is seeking you because he wants to save you. Again, that's the first most foundational question is, what, how are you going to react to Jesus? Are you going to receive the, great, the gift of salvation and grace and mercy and invite him into your life and surrender your heart and your, and your spirit to him and let him in and be saved? Because if you've never done that, you can do that today. That can be your reaction to Jesus. And I hope and pray it is. And if you have initially answered that question and, and been saved by Jesus, right, he continues to seek you. Because once you join the journey of faith by receiving him as your savior, that's when the real work of the Messiah starts. <laughs> that's when the Holy Spirit lives in your heart and transforms your heart and your mind every day as, as you follow his leading, right? And, and have answered this question every day that I'm going to be more like Jesus tomorrow than I am today, right? And I'm going to continue to have this, this reaction to Jesus and say, God, do what you need to do, right? And I will be obedient. Right? We have to answer this question every single day. And as we look at our world and our culture, I think um, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, right, this verse, 1 Corinthians 1.18, that is so incredibly true today. It says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are heading for destruction. But for we who are being saved now, it is the very power of God. And I think when we look at our world today in 2022, this, this void is getting bigger, isn't it? Right? There are a, a lot of people in our world that look at Jesus and say, you are foolish if you believe that. Right? In fact, it says right, that the gospel is foolishness to those who, who are headed for destruction. Right? That's their reaction to Jesus. And yet, that's not the only choice, right? The other choice is saying, but for those who are being saved... Again, if your reaction to Jesus is to surrender your life, to accept him, right, to submit to his will and way in your life every single day, right, and continue to walk with him and grow with him and be transformed by his spirit, right, for those who are being saved, it is the very power of God, right, and again, scripture tells us the same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you as a believer every single day, right, and it's with that power, right, that we that we have this reaction to Jesus, right? Just like Elizabeth, just like John the Baptist, just like Simeon, just like Anna, just like all these people we saw. Right? And we can have that same reaction, right? As that Holy Spirit, as that power works in us and works through us every single day to make us more like Jesus tomorrow than we are today. What's your answer to this question? What is your reaction to Jesus? Right? What is God put in front of you and say, here's your step, do it. Right? Maybe that's receiving Christ your Savior for the first time. Right? Maybe that's laying down a burden that you've been carrying for a long time right? that God's just been trying to set you free from. 
Okay, maybe it's just being, saying, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this Jesus thing a little more seriously. But again, I don't know what the next step of your journey is, but I just encourage you to, to, to take it today, to, to, to admit it to Jesus, right? To, to make that positive reaction to him. Again, as we study the life of Jesus this summer, we are certainly going to learn and see all kinds of powerful things that God did in his life and that he wants to do in yours. But what's your reaction to Jesus today? Here's my final thought, and that is this. The gospel truly is good news. It's how we can be saved, transformed, and live every day with the power of God. So what is your reaction to Jesus today? Again, I don't know where you're at in your life and your faith journey, but God does know, and he's seeking you out, and he's inviting you to take the next step. Will you take the next step today? I hope you will. Yeah, whatever step that is, take it. And be obedient and follow through. Lord God, that is our reaction to you today. Lord, we, we praise you. We praise you, Lord, for Jesus. We praise you, God, for the saving power of the Messiah. We thank you and praise you, Lord, for being with us no matter what we face. And God, I pray, Lord, that today, Lord, that you would seek us. Lord, you would set us free. You would save us. God, you would move us to a new place with you. God, transform us with your spirit. Unleash your power in our lives. And God, as we go from here, Lord, that help us to, to live our faith every moment. God, to answer that question every day. God, as we live out our faith and as we grow in you, God, that we would show this world who you are. God, that we would be just like Anna. We would tell everyone what we know about you and invite them God, into a saving knowledge and relationship with you as well. God, help us to live our faith to be your church this week. We praise you. We thank you. We love you. Thank you, God, for answering our questions even when we're confused. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for seeking us. We praise you today. Guide us as we go in Jesus' name.